morning and welcome to Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock, and I'll be your host every Wednesday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Nahum Seal Network. You're going to have to excuse my uh, bit of a raspy voice this morning. It takes, which is a shame for the industry I'm in, but it takes me some time to recover, at least with uh, for my voice, after weddings, which, uh, I mean, thank God it, it's a good thing, I suppose. I like to uh, stay involved as much as I can during uh, weddings and my friends' weddings especially, which I guess is a good time. I mentioned it last week, but a uh, shout-out to my... Now, former roommate, Ellie Kirsch, on his uh, now marriage to Alyssa Greenberg's, both from the, uh, Alyssa Greenberg, excuse me, both from the Five Towns, a uh, wonderful wedding at the Sands on Sunday night, and uh, as you can tell, I'm still recovering from it, so uh, big shout out to them. Sheva Ruchas last night at Yankee Stadium, good time, and a uh, <laughs> new experience for me, but uh, again, a big mazel tov to them. It's actually, I'm in the, actually, I guess now towards the end of my uh Wedding season for twenty, what is it, twenty seventeen? I uh, I had five weddings in six weeks. That started when was it? I guess May twenty first. I had a wedding on a Sunday, then on a Sunday. One was New York, then Houston, then back again on a Sunday. Then I had a week off, and then yesterday, and then excuse me, then Sunday, and then um, again this coming Sunday to. I guess officially wrap things up in terms of friend. I have another. I have, I have a family wedding in July, and then I have a few weddings in August. But this stretch of five weddings in six weeks ends this coming Sunday. And uh, I mean, I, I tell everyone, I, wedding days for me are are one of the best days. I mean, I, the uh, and 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 I had this argument with a few friends when you have a wedding on a Sunday. And let's say you know, I mean, I live in Washington Heights, so it's it's you know, usually whatever hall it's going to be, it's a good. On average, 45 minutes could take an hour. On a Sunday, if you're going out, let's say, to the Sands or or you're going out to Jersey, where there could be traffic on a Sunday, people heading out to Jersey Shore or to the beach um, by Far Rockaway in, in that area, um, it could take some time. But but to me, like when I'm told I have a wedding on a Sunday, I don't care what time it is. I mean, I prefer it like three. I, I would love if the wedding took the whole day. It doesn't bother me. I, I, and I understand when it does bother people. I, I totally get it. People don't want to quote-unquote, waste their Sundays on a wedding. But for me, I'll waste the whole Sunday. I'll be there 12 hours. What do I care? It's 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 so much fun. Obviously, the music's excellent. Being with your friends are excellent. Celebrating with your friend, I mean, to me, it doesn't bother me for a second. So if you want to invite me to a wedding on a Sunday, I'm there. Any day, really. I'm there. Enjoy it a lot. And uh, a big mazel tov to the Kirsch and Greenberg families on that occasion. And... uh you know, speaking of seasons, this is really the, uh, obviously, moving into the sports realm of the show, the uh, baseball's in full swing, but this is the time where really the basketball rumors and where it's really fun to be a basketball fan, especially if you're on social media, Twitter uh, specifically, the rumors are insane at this time of the year where we're almost a week, a little more than a week away from the NBA draft. Free agency starts in two weeks. There's nothing... There's no sports Twitter that's better, and, and if you are familiar with sports Twitter, you get what I'm saying. There's no sports Twitter that's better than NBA Twitter from about today. So what is what is today? June 21st until middle of July. It's insane the amount of rumors, the amount of this team's trying to float that player and that team's trying to trade for this pick, and it's insane. And 99% of it doesn't 
come true and that's okay it just it's the dreaming that's exciting especially if you're on a team that like my team the Houston Rockets they and GM Daryl Morey they tend to be involved in a, in a lot of rumors and I think I I'm pretty sure uh, since he's taken over in uh in mid 2000s he's never gone a deadline without a trade so he's very active trade day there's a ton of rumors I remember when I was interning um back at CSN Houston a, a sports TV station in Houston back in the day um, a few years ago, and the day of the draft. It, 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 I mean, and this is where we're, we're covering the, the Houston sports teams. It, it was such an exciting day. All the rumors, and you're trying to verify, and a real exciting experience for someone like me, But uh, and both as a sports fan and someone that wants to work in that industry. But it was really just a fun, fun day. So, so this is the time of year for you NBA fans. If you don't have a Twitter, I encourage you to get on a Twitter and uh, Follow these reporters. There's so much out there. Again, a lot of it's fake. A lot of it's teams and agents floating things out there just to try to up the value of a certain player, et cetera, whatever it is. But it's really an exciting time to dream. So uh, I'll be monitoring that, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more. I mean, what the Cavs are doing right now, firing their GM, I, There's there's got to be stuff there that we don't know about. But I'm I'm heavily intrigued to see what, what's going on there because everyone's just trying to, trying to beat the Warriors. And... And I mean, this is really a topic for a different time, but whether that's a good strategy, trying to beat the Warriors or just let the Warriors do their own thing for the next few years and try to build for the next, you know, three to five year range instead of, and, and that's pretty much what Boston's trying to do, but, but, uh, exciting times in the NBA. And again, like I said, baseball, the Astros still in first place, best team in baseball. I'm enjoying it. Uh, currently on the West coast, which means I don't get to enjoy it that much because I need my sleep. So. Wake up in the morning and just look for the W. Try to watch some highlights and uh, on to the next day. But baseball, baseball, baseball. Love it. And the Astros really making me proud. All right, let's talk about today's show. I mean, we're talking about today's show, but let's talk about who's on today's show. Um, Joanna Shepson, she'll join the program at about 9.30 a.m. or so. She has Rabbi Dan Marins from the Tzomet Institute. Let's talk about the Tzomet Experience. Halachic Science Center, where technology meets Jewish law, so 9.30 a.m. And 10 o'clock, Tova Kanech joins the program. She interviews Ari Kalker, one of the founders of the Lone Soldier Center. You won't want to miss that again. That's 10 a.m. or so. But again, wedding season. I think I think I decided, you know, it's wedding season coming towards somewhat in an end, especially with the three weeks eventually coming up, so it gets a little quieter on then. But let's do a little wedding theme music today, some of my favorites. Um... And how about this one? I mean, we start with it every Wednesday, but it's really a great second dance song. Mahapecha Shel Simcha. Thank you for tuning into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Segal Network. שמעתי שעושים פה מסיבה בלעדיי אף אחד לא עושה את זה יותר טוב ממני hey, תשים את הצרות מאחוריי אני לא הולך עד שכולכם מג'נונים hey, שמעתי שהתחלתם בלעדיי אף אחד לא עושה את זה יותר טוב ממני hey, הראש כבר מסתובב כולם בהיי לא נעצור עד שכולכם מג'נונים Tari 
מחבק אוהבים שתמיד נהיה שמחים אלוהים, אלוהים, רק תשמור על הרוקדים תחבק אוהבים שתמיד נהיה שמחים חייל, תרדיף לי את הקהל הם לא עובדים בכלל תרימו את היד
Take care. 
Everyone waiting for Mashiach, for Mashiach. Let's love one another. Everyone in song. As you are tuned into Bite Size here on the Nachum Single Network. That song is uh, probably one of my favorites these days. I actually haven't played it on the show in quite a while. And I was listening to it earlier today. I was like, how come I haven't been playing it? So made sure to get it in today. And uh, I know it's uh, what I, at, actually at my friend's wedding this past Sunday. I heard it during the second dance. I was like, ah. Oh, and I, like, I turned to a few friends who like we talk about it. We're like, yeah. Great, great song. And it's uh, a good work there by Milech. Um, so here we are, it's, uh, what did I tell you, 9.30, so here we go, 9.30, and uh, it's time for Joanna Shepson's interview with Rabbi Dan Marins from the Tzomet Institute. Here's Joanna with Rabbi Dan. Thank you for tuning in to Bite Size right here on the Nachum Segal Network. Thank you, Yoni. So I want to introduce you to Rabbi Dan Marins from the Tzomet Experience, and uh, I want to talk first a little bit about some a topic that you might not think goes together. So you've got... Uh, let's say a Shabbos elevator, you've got um, Shabbos metal detectors, Shabbos phones for doctors. How does that relate to tourism? But I'm going to tell you today, and, and Rabbi Dan is going to tell you about the Tzomet experience and why if you're a tourist coming to Israel, you should make sure that it's one of the activities on your itinerary. Hi, good morning. How are you? Great, Joanna. How are you? Very good. So tell us a little background about Tzomet and what Tzomet does. So Tzomet's existed for the last over 40 years, and we merge halacha and modern life in the Israeli nation. And being here in Israel, we have a challenge that we don't have non-Jews who can do things for us on Shabbat. And what we have to do is find ways that we're able to do things minimizing the desecration of a Sabbath. For example, doctors who want to make phone calls on Shabbat can use our Shabbat cell phone, our Shabbat phone, nurses, the nurse call systems in the hospitals we do. Um, we have special things for security forces, um, also for home appliances, Shabbat elevators whenever you go to a hotel, the metal detectors at the Kotel. And people often wonder when they go to the Kotel, how does this metal detector work? What's different about it? So they can drive 20 minutes from the Kotel and they can come to a 
tourist play, science center, a halachic science center, the first of its type in the world that we opened a year ago, and they can see how we're able to modify a metal detector for Shabbat, how we're able to use security cameras on Shabbat, how we're able to make the elevator used in your hotel work on Shabbat, and people come and have a hands-on experience, just like in a science center. They run things, they test things, They how we have interactive touch screens that they're able to investigate the different issues on and people have a great time from little children you know six and seven years old up until uh, senior citizens 90 100 the whole family can enjoy themselves and learn together that's great and can you tell us just a little bit more about what you call the halachic science center the interactive part um are is everything available in english and in hebrew Everything's in English and Hebrew. For example, if people want to use the computers that have been modified for Shabbat, there's an ex- a short movie of about three minutes in English that they can watch, which explains it. There's on the on the touch screen. There's instructions that enable people to put something into Shabbat mode and use it. For example, the security cameras in Shabbat mode, and also they can see how that's different from operating the same security camera on the weekday. And who are the people who are leading these tours? I, tell me a little bit about what their backgrounds are. So each group, based on, we try and investigate who's coming. If it's a group of engineers, we try and get one of our engineers to lead the tour for the engineers. Um, if we have rabbis leading the tours, all the tour guides are very highly knowledgeable, both in halacha and in science, and are able to give people really, you know, one-to-one thing. People can investigate what they're interested in. If it's senior citizens who are interested in mobility with scooters or wheelchairs and different types of things like that, we gear it to them. If it's a young child who's really into a robotics, then we're able to gear it to that child and let that child even investigate different ideas that they have for what they can you know, make and invent to make Shabbat even better and more full experience. So what I would suggest to all the listeners out there, if you want to book yourself a private tour of the Tzomet experience, um, you can email Tzomet, Z-O-M-E-T, at funinjerusalem.com. Make sure to specify who's going to be in your group. If you're going to you know, bring your 13-year-old engineering you know, student who, who loves to know the tech technical side, or you're going to bring student, you're going to bring kids who really want to understand more about the halachic side, or whatever it is. Let Dan know what your group is interested in, and he'll create a special tour for you. Um, tell us a little bit about the Gush, because you're located in Alonshvut, and some people sometimes feel like it's really far away from the hotels. But I know personally, it could be like a 15 minute drive, and you're there. Yeah, I think that one of the great things about the Gush is you drive for 15 minutes and you get to really one of the most diverse areas. First of all, it's beautiful with with vineyards and mountains and the air is a little bit cooler and a little bit cleaner. And apart from that, it's once you drive the 15 minutes, within five minutes, you can be in the largest zip line in Israel, possibly the world. You can be shooting, self-defense, paintball. Uh, you can be at a bread workshop. You can be on great hikes with uh, RTVs, all-terrain vehicles. You can be doing almost anything and everything is located five minutes from one and another and you can find things that really have a great day with you know a little bit of Zionist history of how the Gush Etzion was founded and then great food and then you can go to the winery and pick up a great bottle of wine and see how the wine is made you can learn about Halach and technology at Somit. they say that 
Gush Etzion is maybe the past, the present, and the future. You know, you can walk on roads that Avram Avinu walked from Hebron to Jerusalem on the same paths and see ancient mikvaot, you know, ritual pools, and also the milestones of the Romans. And side by side, you can see high-tech halacha at You can see things of the history of the war in 1948 and 67 is you can really blend the past, present and future of Israel all in one day and all just, you know, 15 minutes from Jerusalem. Oh, I love that message. That's a fabulous message and I would definitely say you should spend at least half a day, if not a full day, out in the gush when you're here. Um, so for all of you who are coming for the summer, it's not too late to sign up for some summit workshops. If you want advice on other activities in the gush, you can email me, joanna at funinjerusalem.com and thank you so much, Rabbi Dan Marins, for sitting with us and telling us a bit about Somet. We're excited to see all the new things. Somet's always coming out with something new. And uh, it's, been, it's been very nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. It was great meeting you also. All right. Now back to you, Yoni. Thank you, Joanna. And thank you, Rabbi Dan Marins. Again, Rabbi Dan from the Somet Institute about the Somet Experience, the Halachic Science Center where technology meets Jewish law. A little, uh, you know, it was... Not a long interview, but I think we did learn plenty from that. So uh, if you have any questions about it, you could contact Rabbi Dan or contact Fun in Jerusalem. So head to funinjerusalem.com and uh, find the contact and email Joanna there. She could tell you all about that. She could tell you all about pretty much anything you need to know. I mean, it says it in the name itself, Fun in Jerusalem. If you are traveling to Jerusalem, heading to Israel over the summer, and you have a few days or you have a few hours where you want to do something fun, something different, contact Joanna. She will tell you and pretty much hook you up wherever you want to go. Um, as you've heard over the last year, really, with her interviews from different places and different people, um, she's both well-connected and and has some great ideas for people. So, I mean, I remember the aquarium interview and the, the lollipop shop and the candy shop and these all these cool different things that, I don't know if they exist here in America, but when you go to Israel and you have time, I mean... First of all, they look great. Like They look like a lot of fun, and I'm sure they are. So again, funinjerusalem.com. Contact Joanna there, and she could help you out with any plans that you need to uh, plan, I guess, when you head to Israel over this summer. We have plenty more coming up. Ivri Anochi, Benny Friedman's Ivri Anochi, right here on Bite Size on the Nachum Siegel Network. A little bit of history I've been through. Ask 
me where I'm from And I will tell you I'm a Jew and every Jew's a proud Jew Not just me, my sisters and my brothers Never be ashamed to be a proud Jew It's not what you've done, it's how he made you So sing this song and spread the pride around you Yehudiani, eternally Hey Abraham, Yitzhak Yaakov Belay Sarayivko Come on, 
Messiah, Shoshan Chochim Ahabas, Kalonisos Todim, Mivon Siyach, Shoshan Chochim Ahabas, Kalonisos Todim, Mivon Siyach, Shoshan Chochim Ahabas, Kalonisos Todim, Shoshan Chochim Ahabas, Kalom Yisohus Todim Uyivorech, Esechosan, Eyes HaKalom Uyivorech, Esechosan Ah 
Medley off of the Kumsitz in the Rain 3. I mean, this album, actually Miriam kind of pointed it out to me. It's a great album. There's so many great songs. I, I mean, I could have played Vilibush Lion, which is excellent on there. Ani Mamim, Habinyaki. There's so many really good songs on this one. Uh, so if you haven't had a chance to check it out, Kumsitz in the Rain 3, featuring the songs of A.V. Rottenberg, go ahead and check that one out. It is the top of hour number two here on Baitai's, and that means it's time for Tova Connects interview with Ari Kalkar, one of the founders of the Lone Soldier Center. Here's Tova with Ari right here on Baitai's on the Nachum Segal Network. Thank you, Yoni. I'm sitting in Yerushalayim, specifically the Lone Soldier Center, with Ari Kalkar, one of the founders of the Lone Soldier Center, in memory of Michael Levine. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So before we get into what you do for the Lone Soldier Center and how you got involved with it, let's hear about your background story. When you made Aliyah, what you did when you got here. All right, so I made Aliyah, I grew up in Queens in New York, and I, uh, I made Aliyah right after high school. I graduated high school and felt this need to come home, to go to where I thought, you know, where Judaism made sense and a home country of where we belong as Jews. 
I was here for about a year and a half, spending time with other Israelis my age, and their entire lives revolved around the army, of where they're going in the army, of this test and that test, and this trial and that trial, and everything about their army service. And then I started asking and questioning myself, like, why... Why is it their responsibility to serve in the army of the Jewish people and not mine? What is, uh, what is it that is different about them? Just the fact they were born here and I was born there. There's no actual difference between us. And I realized it was incumbent upon me to also join the army and protect the Jewish people. Uh-huh. I, um, I served in the, in the army as a lone soldier in a special forces infantry unit. And I ended up serving for just over four years. And I continue to do reserve duty till this day. And I will... God willing, be doing reserve duty for many, many, many more years to come, as long as my body's willing. How did your family uh, deal with the news that you wanted to, first of all, move to Israel and then to become a soldier? Um, My family was, I'm very lucky. I came from a very, very Zionist home, Mm -hmm. a family that now, today, has all made Aliyah and all lives in Israel. I have one other sibling who's also served in the army. Um, That's great. They were very supportive and happy about it. Do you have any stories from the army, any inspirational stories that happened to you uh, that you can share? So a lot of my army services are inspirational, but I think the most inspirational part was, it was actually the very beginning, was our swearing-in ceremony. At the beginning of your army service, you have a big ceremony where you take this oath to protect the state of Israel and the Jewish people and defend its laws and its its you know its institutions. Mm-hmm. But... Um, our swearing-in ceremony, we have a whole class beforehand explaining the, the ins and outs of the oath that you're taking. And we're sitting in a room, and there's immigrants from the U.S., like myself, from Ethiopia, from Russia, native-born Israelis, people who are grandchildren of of converts, grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, like myself, from all over the world, and we're all together, and we're all taking this oath. And at the very end of it, the oath you take is... To even give of your life, if necessary, to protect the Hebrew word is moledet, which uh-huh. loosely translates to homeland. Okay. The rest of the oath talks about protecting, you know, committing or promising to c- protect the laws and national institutions and follow orders. But the only time it talks about actually swearing an oath and potentially giving up of your life is talking about this moledet, this concept of the nation with the land together. It's something that I found very unifying, and understanding it and looking around the room or learning about it or the group of people I was with, I found it to be very inspirational that that's what the basis of our everything we're doing is. Wow. So now, guys and girls are in, you know, out of Israel, and they're thinking, ah, oh, being a lone soldier seems so cool. What's your advice to them? <laughs> I, I, people ask me this all the time. My advice is don't do it. Really? Yeah. The Army is a very, very... Very, very, very hard thing to do. It looks really cool, and the uniform really isn't that nice, but it looks kind of nice, and you get to carry a gun, and it sounds amazing. It seems like, if you ask most people, they'll think, yeah, it's like summer camp with a gun. It's not like that at all. The Army is a very, very difficult thing. It's a very hard time. It's, it's the concept of giving up total freedom over yourself. You have no control over anything. Mm-hmm. You don't decide when you sleep, when you eat, where you go. You don't even decide when and if and how long you have to go to the bathroom. It's extremely difficult. So it's extremely it here, hard. It's only if you're only, really serious. But only do it if you recognize that you're doing it not for yourself, but for everyone else. If you're doing it as something for yourself, you're never going to survive. Uh huh. So they have to really be serious. What do you give? What advice do you give to or message for families of Chayalim that are serving now? Any message to those parents or future or parents that will have you know in the future their children leave home to come to Israel? My biggest piece of advice is. 
a mother is a mother is a father is a father. Love your children, support them, and recognize if it's something as a father myself, it's taken me a long time to understand. There's sometimes I'm not capable of understanding everything my child's going through, but to support them nonetheless. And as a dad, yeah. as, as a dad, our hardest, our hardest point is that we think we know everything we could always help our children. And sometimes they'll come up with something that we have no nothing about. Like, I have a daughter. I'm a guy. I have a daughter. I have no idea anything about clothing. But I still feel like I want to give her advice because I'm a dad and that's what dads do. And when you serve in the army, if you haven't experienced it yourself and you don't really know what's going on, as a dad, you just want to give your son advice all the time or your daughter advice. Mm-hmm. But it's something that you don't have the tools to give advice about. So I think as a parent, my biggest piece of advice is to you is to you know, be in touch with us, the Lone Soldier Center, or be in touch with other parents so that you really understand, at least on some level, what it is your children are going through. Like a support group. Exactly. And to just be there and love them and support them and realize that even if they can't really explain what they're doing because they don't have the concept to explain to them who have been through it, just recognize that it doesn't matter. It's to, if they say it's hard, it's harder than they're saying, and just to love and support them. So you mentioned the Lone Soldier Center, that the families should depend on them. How, what's your personal story with the Lone Soldier Center? How did you get involved? Well, I got involved with the Lone Soldier Center because um, well, I created the Lone Soldier Center. You founded it. I'm one of the okay, founders. So I, can't, I can't take most of the credit. I can take a very small, small piece of the credit. Um, so why did you found it? So Mikey Levine was a friend of mine when he was in the Army, and he talked about creating a place for Lone Soldiers to go when you know to get advice. When he gets out of the Army, this is something he wants to do. Um, Mikey was killed fighting in the Second Lebanon War, and a number of his friends, myself included, decided to make this great idea and dream that he had a reality. And today, the Lone Soldier Center bears his name because we really are trying to fulfill his dream and vision of what he had for a Lone Soldier Center. Mm-hmm. Wow, so what does the Lone Soldier Center, in memory of Michael Levine, what does it provide? What types of programs support? So the the, the grounding principle of the Lone Soldier Center is to is to be a family for lone soldiers. You know, every in the Israeli army, you're constantly going home. The army relies on your family for the mental and emotional support and laundry services for its soldiers because they send them home regularly because they're never very far away from home. Lone soldiers coming home to an empty apartment doesn't have all those things organically built in. He still has a loving family somewhere in the world, but he doesn't have the mental, spiritual, physical support readily available every time he gets out for the weekend. So our goal is to be a family. That means everything from advice and guidance of how to draft, where to draft, what makes sense from before the Army. We now run a pre-Army preparatory program to help prepare you better for the Army, to giving you advice to how to navigate the system once you're in the Army. Communal events such as Friday night meals and chag, and, and, and meals on, on Chagim to make a community and bring everyone together. And then after the army, also helping transitioning back into a civilian life and hopefully staying here in Israel, finding jobs, understanding you know, where and how you can study, what rights you have as an immigrant, what schools are available, basically just trying to be that family support network that doesn't exist. So this, the Lone Soldier Center, it's a place for them to sleep or it's... So the, long soldier, the center itself, in yeah. Jerusalem and in Tel Aviv, in Yushalayim and Tel Aviv, we have um, what we call Maadonim. They're like, they're just hangout areas where you can come. There's a big, big area that on Friday nights gets turned into a big place for meals. Mm-hmm. We have offices if you need to sit and talk to somebody. There's free internet, obviously, a place to print documents if you need to print. There are people to talk to. There's always advisors there. And then we have separate facilities where we have housing. We currently house 130-something long soldiers under our roof. Wow. And we're looking to grow that number to be more. Unbelievable. Um, can you think of any 
the absolute success story of a soldier that maybe was having trouble in the beginning and now has really found his way because of the Lone Soldier Center? I think of quite a few. There are a lot of Lone Soldiers come to the army, they're kind of lost. They start out in the army in this place called Mechveh Alon, which is where most of them end up having to do three months of army Olpan, which okay. is basically Olpan while doing ba- the very, very beginnings of basic training. Mm-hmm. And they're not really sure where they're going, they're not really sure what they're doing. Um, currently, right now, there's a kid who started there and who came to meals, he lives in one of our houses, and he's currently in Officer's Academy. Um, another couple of months, will graduate as an officer and have soldiers of his own to command. Wow. Uh, there are a number of soldiers that have come through that we encourage, that we support, and that gives them the ability to do a little bit more than everyone else. They don't want to be commanders or serve in special forces units or wherever it is. There's, there's, thank God, too many to count. Do you find that the lone soldiers stay always together, or they integrate into the rest of like the born Israelis? Yes. That's an easy answer. The answer is is both. There's, on one level, they want to stick to themselves because that's what's comfortable, that's what they know. Those are the guys that really understand them and understand what they're going going through. through. Uh And on the other hand, they're serving in an army right alongside all their Israelis. And they're completely integrated well in the army, and they do integrate back out into Israeli society. So the answer is yes, it's both. Uh It's not one or the other. Wow, well, cool look about everything that you're doing at the Lone Soldier Center, and now just on a personal level, uh, from your experience of living here almost your whole life, or half your life, <laughs> half your life, uh, what do you love living about is living in Israel? What's your favorite thing about living in Israel? My favorite thing I love about living in Israel happens to be the thing I hate the most about it also. It's the, it's the opposite sides of the same coin. It's the fact that it's home and that it's Israel. It's a place where you have every type style of Jew from everywhere in the world doing everything you know your plumbers Jewish your garbage man's Jewish your accountants Jewish your lawyers of course Jewish um, but yeah. it, and our politicians are it's you know everyone we're all part of we're all family in the end of the day you can get on a bus and you say Shalom and hello to your bus driver and then you sit down next to someone and they tell you their whole life story and then mm-hmm. you offer someone else a ride and it's all one big family yes. and which is beautiful and amazing but also unbelievably intense and stressful and irritating all at the same time. So it's both my favorite and least favorite thing about Israel. Uh-huh. Okay, so then on that note, what's your happy place in Israel? What can you call your happy place? So this answer is going to be a little bit weird. So the place I, the place I call my happy place in Israel, the place that helps me focus my thoughts and re- reinvigorate my ideology is actually Har Herzl. Was, didn't think that was going to be your answer. It's um, wow. you know, people think of Har Herzl as a cemetery. It's full of dead people. It's not a very happy thing. But when I go up to Har Herzl, as much as I have a number of friends that are buried there, and a, most of my role models are buried there, um, it's a piece that represents everything that's right about who we are. There's no ideological arguments. There's no political discourse. It's a very peaceful and quiet place, like most cemeteries. But everyone who's buried there are people who died doing something that they truly believed in and fell fighting for something that I completely agree with and, and support. Wow. And it's motivational to see them, you know, to, to be able to be around a place that represents everything that's right. Okay, Ari, one more thing before we end off. How can people get in touch with, with you, with the Lone Soldier Center? How can they find you? Well, the easiest way to find us, like everything else today, is the internet. LoneSoldierCenter.com. Click on Get in Touch or 
contact us or whatever the tab is there. Mm-hmm. Or if even you can even email me personally at ariarai at lonesoldiercenter.com. Super simple. And uh, all support and help is always welcome. Fantastic. So, uh, Cole, what's everything you're doing and continue to do? And the Lone Soldiers are very lucky to have you uh, in their corner. Thanks for sitting down with me. My pleasure. Thank you, Yoni. Back to you. Thank you, Tova, and thank you, Ari. Again, that's Ari Kalker, one of the founders of the Lone Soldier Center. We thank you for your time. If you want to contact Tova, tovanisrael.com, tovanisrael on Facebook. Go ahead and check that out. As I've mentioned many, many times before, she is a must-follow if you are, uh, I don't want to say interested in the land of Israel, because I I hope many of us are, but if you uh, want an inside scoop of what goes on on a daily basis in Israel, go ahead and follow her, and uh, she'll have you covered from the random things that go on in the Shuk to different events that she has. Uh, she attends. TovanIsrael.com, TovanIsrael on Facebook. Go ahead, follow her, and uh, give it a like, because I think that's what people do on Facebook. You like a page, and then you'll be able to follow it. We have plenty more coming up, plenty of music, and uh, no four to the door this week, but I do want to talk about a different uh, endeavor that I have... Uh, started, I guess, is uh, one way of putting it, that involves restaurants. So if you like kosher food, you'll probably want to tune in for that about five or ten minutes left of the show. So until then, plenty, plenty of music. How about Ohad's Lamelech? Thank you for tuning in to Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network.
se mi dojs jo i meiru Eres iš pohojs jaš miju Se mi dojs jo i meiru Bez iš pohojs jaš miju
תשובה שם, here we go now, here we go again. או הנה, או הנה, כחול. It's like you're sleeping, sleeping. Ozzy Mole, Ace Rock Pino. There's a smile deep, deep within you. Bunchenino, Rino, Rino. This song's for singing, Rino. Shira Malo is back, Shuba Shem. Here we go, now here we go again. Oh, Hino, Hino, Kholmen. It's like you're sleeping, sleeping. Ozzy Mole, Ace Rock Pino. There's a smile deep within you. Bunchenino, Rino, Rino. This song's for singing, Rino. Why wait to celebrate? Meiro Ishoma. Bright lights and city streets. Ore, ore, Yehuda. Why wait to celebrate? Meiro Ishoma. Clap now and stamp your feet. Utsois
the world make over. Mashiach will come take over. You ain't gotta be me or see what I see. All you gotta do is take a look forward. Lift up your eye to the sky. Spread out your hands. Say thank you. Smile. Get them up. Put them up. Leave them up. Ha ha. Yep, yep. Pump up the value every day. Stand in place. Heart racing. No words to say. Pressure building. Trying to hold my face. Mind drifting like not today. Wake up from everything. Break out your shell and scream. Ha. Shim. You're the king. Ha. Shim. You're the king.
Yaakov Shweki's Et Code. And you know when I play that song, that means one thing. It's another wedding. As I told you, I have a wedding in uh, Brooklyn this coming Sunday night. A shout-out to Marissa Katz and her family from Houston. So uh, Houston weddings to me, and, and I mean, all, all weddings are fun, but when it's a Houston wedding, it means I see a lot of friends and family that I don't see often anymore as I live up here. Uh, so those weddings are a little extra special. So uh, looking forward to it Sunday in Brooklyn and a mazel tov to both Marissa and Eitan, Eitan Sanders' family, actually now lives in Israel. Um, really looking forward to that wedding. It should be uh, very exciting and a lot, a lot of fun. And speaking of Brooklyn, and this is where I get to my little uh, restaurant endeavor I want to talk to you about, uh, Brooklyn is a, a fascinating place for many reasons. I live in Washington Heights, which means Brooklyn is really, really far from me for many reasons. I don't have a car. These subways tend to take forever, and sometimes they decide to have signal problems and train traffic, which I cannot control, even though I do have a friend that works for the MTA. And I try to ask him if I could uh, get an express train. That doesn't often work out for me. So Brooklyn is, a uh, again, fascinating. And one of the reasons it's fascinating is because it has so many different kosher restaurants, which unless you're from Brooklyn, you probably have either never heard of or never visited. And this is something that I've found out about and uh, thought about over the last... I've now lived here for five and a half years, I think. Let's think January of 2012. Yeah, so June of 2017. Five and a half years. And uh, mo- while most of these restaurants that, I've, that I'm currently thinking about in my head probably did not exist five and a half years ago, the scene, the food scene in Brooklyn has exploded. And over the last, I want to say, two years or so, when all these places are... Uh, kind of popping up, and sure, some of them do fold, but a lot of them are heavily talked about. I know I'm a part of this group, the Co- Great Kosher Restaurant Foodie Groups, who Elon uh, Kornblum, who's been on the network plenty of times and who's been on Naomi Nachman's show plenty of times. Um, he is, the, I guess, the founder of that group and one of the many administrators there, and often from him and, and many of the followers and, and on that group, you hear about these amazing restaurants. And a lot of the times it's in Brooklyn. So over the last two years, I said, you know what? I really need to get over to Brooklyn. And for whatever reason, it hasn't been the case. I haven't been able to. Um, I've always used the excuse where it's literally an hour and a half, probably door to door. And it is. And it, it, it was just too much for me. I, I, I couldn't do it. I told myself, you know what? What I need to do is, is leave my apartment for a month, rent in Brooklyn, and just eat out every night. Eat out every day, lunch, dinner, that's 60 meals over 30 days. Pay whatever rent it is. It's going to be an expensive endeavor, but I need to do it. But you know what? That didn't happen a little more on the unrealistic side. But I was supposed to eat out with uh, a few friends of mine last week. Again, one of my friends, one of my roommates was getting married. We said, you know what? Let's do a little roommate, our last shebang before he gets married. Let's do a little dinner. Let's, let's go to Brooklyn. Let's do dinner. Whatever the, whatever the reason was, it didn't happen. So then I texted two other friends. I said, listen, I've had this dream. You know about it. I want to eat in Brooklyn. Let's start this thing where once a week in the summer, we are going to, right, once a week in the summer for the next three months or so, we are going to go out and eat at a different Brooklyn restaurant. Much to my surprise, they both agreed. Now, I don't know if they, they thought this was actually going to be a thing, but I made sure to to instill in them that this is now a thing, that once a week, for the next three months, we are going to eat at a different summer restaurant. So this past week, last week that was, we ate at Buff and Bun. Buff and Bun is a place that I've heard a lot about. A lot of my friends have visited or a lot of my friends have talked about visiting. So we went to Buff and Bun 
and uh, we had a great time. I, I am very much into this kind of hipster layout uh, or these more modern designs, and, and Buff and Bun is just like that. It's really, uh, let's see, it's right off the Tour 3 train, I think right near 770. If you're familiar with Basil, it's pretty much right across the street. You walk in, and it's a nice, everything's pretty much wooden from the walls to the, the tables. They have these funky, uh, they put the silverware in these funky, I don't even know what they are, these, these pails, I guess. Um, held by a, a, a cork. When you walk in, when you sit at the table, they serve you popcorn. Different. You don't. You know. You you head to a different restaurant. They'll serve you some pickles or some coleslaw or whatever it is, or sometimes nothing. Buff and bun, popcorn. Popcorn was good. Um, you see a lot of different people there. Packed place. So we went there. We uh, there's three of us. It was me and two friends, and I decided to dub it Summer Munchin in Brooklyn. I don't really have many ideas. I just, you know, I, I know people are into these foodie things. I, it was just like, you know what? We're going to call ourselves Summer Munchin in Brooklyn. Summer being Summer Munchin. Just another way of eating Munchin. Brooklyn. We're going to Brooklyn. Pretty pretty simple. The Smibs, as uh, I've dubbed us. So we took a picture of our food. Three of us. We got two appetizers. Three mains. Appetizers were incredible. They really were. Uh, I'm trying to think. We got a pastrami flatbread. The chili fries, and anytime there's chili, again, that, this might be more of my southern roots. Anytime there's chili, I'm pretty much down, and if it's chili nachos, chili fries, I'm down. I'm game. Both excellent, really, really good. Uh, and then the three of us went for three different types of burgers. We kind of decided, like, we think we should just get separate things just so we could try it out. And listen, if someone wants to take a bite of my burger, by all means. And uh, so the burger I got, the Green Monster, love the idea. I, I was not a big fan of the burger itself, and I'm not, like... I'm not so picky. I finished it, obviously, because I'm going to finish food. You have to be, like, really, really bad not to, to not for me to finish one of your items. But, uh, you know, the other two guys said the burger was great. I was not so into my burger, but, listen, that's just a personal thing. Um, but overall, after, after uh, we took into account, service was excellent. You know, so we have this, we, we uh, one of my friends made this spreadsheet, because that's what they do at work, spreadsheets. It's pretty much what all my friends do is work in spreadsheets, apparently. And uh, made the spreadsheet where we have this whole rating system based on taste, based on ambiance, comfort, service, bang for your buck. All in all, uh, we, I think the final rating, mine was a little lower. I, mine was, I think, like a 6.8 or 6.9. They they were in the middle sevens. So I think all in all, it was a 7.2 maybe. That's what we rated it. And anyone familiar with Barstool Sports, by the way, and the Barstool Sports Pizza Review, it's really pretty much a spoof off of that. Um his rule is one bite. Everyone knows the rules. Ours is one munch. Everyone knows the guidelines. And uh, obviously, we're not taking one munch. We're we're eating the whole thing. So uh, that's pretty much what it's it's a spoof off of. I posted it on Facebook actually, and <laughs> over over I, it, it happened Wednesday night, and over between Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, shop the amount of texts I got, and I promise you, the amount of people that came up to me over in shul after shul, obviously in shul, but after shul at the kiddush, people that want to participate, I. There's easily, I think, 10 people that told me they want in on the next one. And I'm not sure are we going to do a, a guest list. One of my roommates is like, why wasn't he invited? I was like, mm, now it's like uncomfortable a little. I hope he's not listening. I mean, I hope he is listening. But we're going to have to see what we're going to do in terms of in terms of our uh, guest list because we got a lot of different people. Um, we, we made a rule, no, uh, no spouses allowed and that's just because listen we're not here to order a salad 
Salads are, and, and I'm not. I am the type of guy that I will order a salad at a certain place. I'm not afraid to admit that. But but we're trying out the meat here. So uh, this is a little guys' night out type of thing. In and out, we're eating quickly. You know, we got we got to go to bed. We got to work the next day. This is a work night. Um, but but the it is it's still it's again it's a schlep from Brooklyn from to the Heights from Brooklyn. Um, but when you're three guys, it makes it a lot easier to sit on that subway for a bit. Um, but again, buff and buns. So, so I do recommend, I, th- I think people, they do need to go out to Brooklyn and, and I will tell listen, if I don't like a place, I'll tell you not to go there. Like I will tell you right now, go to buff and bun. I would not order the burger personally. I would. And, and I think this is a move really at a lot of places, but maybe specifically this one I'll include as well. Order just as many appetizers as your budget allows because appetizers are fantastic and you could, if you let's say you it's you and your you and your spouse you and your girlfriend boyfriend whatever it is, just order like four appetizers. There's plenty of food. You'll get pretty solid bang for your buck, and you'll enjoy it. Now, if if you are a burger guy, or if you're a uh, you want your pulled beef sandwich or whatever it is, you could go ahead and do that. It's fine. But appetizers at restaurants are phenomenal. They really do a good job. And if you order well, then uh, you'll be plenty happy. So buff and bun, go ahead and check it out. It's it's a, it's a nice. Nice restaurant. It, it it's so my style. Um, so we started this thing. If you want to follow on Instagram, it's at Brooklyn Munchin. Um, as we get maybe a little more popular, we'll. I mean, I'll I I post it on my own personal Facebook account, but we will uh, maybe make a Facebook page soon, so we could uh, continue getting feedback. We, we I mean, on Instagram, I know Buff and Bun actually liked our photos. Um, we try to make some nice pictures, and we want people to comment. We want people to, to we want to hear about your experiences there, whether you're a fan of it or not. Listen, people, I, I, and I, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to make this into a whole bashing of restaurants because a, I think the restaurants are good, but I also want to be honest. If I don't like a place, I don't like a place, and it's, it's nothing. I don't want to say it's nothing personal. I guess it somewhat is personal because if I don't like a place, I don't like a place. But, and again. These are one-time things. So it could have just been a bad day for the chef. It could have been a bad day for the restaurant. Maybe the people in the restaurant made it a bad experience. So you have to take it somewhat with a grain of salt. But I also know my food. If, if you've seen me, I, it doesn't look like I don't know. I know my food. So, uh, again, at Brooklyn Munchin on Instagram. If you have any good ideas for me, let me know. Yoni at NachumSeagle.com. We're always looking for restaurants in Brooklyn. I know there are a million. I haven't heard of 999,000 of them. So please send me an email. Yoni at NachumSeagle.com. Leave a comment on the app. Um, as far as where we're going to go tonight, because tonight is the night. It's it, it's not always going to be Wednesday night. It just happens to work with our schedules. Where we're going to go tonight, it's a good question. Um, I've been told Upside Craft Burger is a place to go to. Mean House Barbecue. Again, these are places I've, I've never heard of. Um, Wolf and Lamb. In Brooklyn, there's places I'm not sure yet. This is a group decision between one of my other roommates and another good friend of mine. We'll have to decide, but you'll hear about it on the. Uh, it's kind of going to replace Four to the Door. It's going to be the uh, Brooklyn Munchin segment of our to end the show. Um, so let me know about. I, I want to know your experiences both at Buff and Bun. Any other recommendations? This is really. Um, people might think because right, Jamie left and, and Miriam was subbing on four to the door for a bit that this is my way of kicking Miriam out because she doesn't eat meat. She's a vegetarian, so she won't have anything to talk about. And there is a little bit of truth to that. Honestly, there is a little bit of truth, but, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, if she's listening, I guess, I guess, uh, we'll find out shortly, but, um, my phone's going to start buzzing. Um, but again, at Brooklyn Munchin on Instagram, 
it's on my Facebook page, and uh, I want to I want to hear about your experiences. I want to hear where we should eat out. It's going to be three months of a lot of fun. It's going to be expensive, but a lot of fun. This is something I've wanted to do for a while, and uh, it might grow into something bigger. You never know. If if you are a restaurant owner and want me to come visit, I by all means I, I will visit. Um, so uh, both me and my friends, and whether this becomes a three person thing or if we do grow it out a bit to some of our other friends, we'll see. But uh, I'm excited. Uh, this is a dream of mine for the last few years, and I'm happy my uh, my friends have joined me. And uh, we'll see what comes about it. So you'll hear back from me in a week from now, and hopefully I have more to say. But for now, Buff and Bond, a place to go to. And go ahead and check it out. Brooklyn off the 2 and 3 train. I'm trying to think what stop it is. No idea, but it's near 770, near Basil. And uh, one more thing about it, by the way. I, I, I'm not a uh, the type of guy that wants to spend money on dairy. I'm not. I'm not a big pasta guy. I am. I love pizza, but I don't eat pizza. That's a self-control thing because if I eat one slice, I will eat four slices. Um, I know people are amazed by that. I, I know sometimes it comes up on dates and they're like, what? I'm just like, listen, if you want to end it because of that, by all means. But uh, I think over the last five years, I've had a total, maybe a total of a pie's worth of pizza. Pretty solid self-control, which is funny because I won't eat pizza, but you put a pint of ice cream in front of me, I'll finish it off because ice cream is my favorite food. So what am I supposed to do? But again, I won't pay for dairy. That's really what I was going for. So basil might have to wait for the nine days if we make an appearance. But otherwise, Buff and Bun near basil, near 770. And uh, I'm excited to uh, share with you my rest of uh, Summer Munchin in Brooklyn at Brooklyn Munchin on Instagram. But let me tell you what you need to be following besides for at Brooklyn Munchin on Facebook as we wrap up here the two-hour bite size here on the Nachum Siegel Network at Nachum Siegel Network on Instagram, Nachum Siegel Net on Twitter, Nachum Siegel Network on Facebook. Please go ahead, download the NSN app on the Google Play Store, the App Store if you haven't yet done so, fjbunity.org. If you like what we do, if you like what I do, if you like what everyone here does at the network, fjbunity.org um, to donate. Of Rummy Finkelstein's live lunch coming up in as soon as he kicks me off, which should be any minute. But for now, I'd like to wish you all a good day, a fantastic summer. Enjoy the sun and remind you that the bite size is the right size.